An Apple II a day keeps the Commodore 64 away. Today on... Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Press B to Cancel, your favorite podcast 13 minutes ago. It's no longer your favorite podcast. Uh, I'm your host today, Sinister 77, but I'm not alone. No, never alone. Uh, I've got all my friends in my head, but I've got a couple friends here with me today as well. <laughs> Sick Jake, how are you? Doing good. Glad it's a Friday. Jimmy, how are you? And are you glad it's a Friday? I am glad it's a Friday, sort of. Um, I'm more glad that my foot's doing a little better. So I'm actually able to, you know, not uh, limp around the house. I can actually do things. It's been nice. Very good. Very good. We've both had some some feet and or ankle issues. Uh, but I think we're both, we're, it sounds like we're both on the mend. So uh today we are talking about something near and dear to my heart uh kind of my history in gaming uh the apple II slash commodore 64 era uh and we're probably going to talk about other ports that were in that same era as well so we've each picked a handful of games that we're going to touch on we'll probably you know segue into talking about Baldur's gate 3 because that's what we do we segue into talking about everything that is not the topic of the day. But that said, um, this is a, an era of computing, um, late 70s, early, mid, mid 80s, even continuing. I think the last Apple sold was like 91 or 92. It was crazy. The last Apple II sold. So uh, a very interesting era for gaming. Uh, graphics were not really a thing per se, and everybody was kind of uh, going wild west and figuring out how to make it work. So we had some very interesting um, uh, games come out of it. That said, why don't we dive into uh, uh, some games that we love? Um, being the host, I'm going to pick on uh, Jake and have him talk uh, about a, a game that he wishes to first. Uh, okay, so while I pull up the video, I'm just going to stall for a few seconds and just mention how impactful some of these games actually were. We, I know we did an episode about uh, Doom and Wolfenstein touched on briefly and how the first in that series was top-down Wolfenstein on the Apple II, which is pretty awesome. And, of course, we also mentioned our fan favorite, Eric and the Floaters, which I think was C64 <laughs> or ZX Spectrum. And that's, of course, turned into Bomberman. So there's definitely an impact of games that are on sure. old computers in the games that we play today. Uh, the one I'm going to talk about, and I mentioned in a previous episode, and that is Space Taxi, which I'm going to say again today after doing my exhaustive research, uh, I could not put it back down. I could not stop playing it. I tried a few other titles I remember playing on the C64, you know, BC's Quest for Tires and, and a few other things, but I just couldn't stop playing Space Taxi. Space Taxi. So I mentioned before, Space Taxi basically is what Crazy Taxi is in the modern era, but back then on the C64. It came out in the mid 80s, I want to say. And it's basically you take Lunar Lander, but you're a taxi and you're picking up folks and you have to drop them off on various pads. But the levels are just 
wildly different and crazy. Like it starts off cute enough. Uh, I think one of them is like a is a beach scene. So it's a giant beach scene, pixel graphics, very very simple. And you're a little tiny floating taxi, like something out of Back to the Future Two. And you kind of just float around. And then you have these little guys will pop up. And this voice, the digitized voice, it says, hey, taxi. And it's different pitches for different people, so it's neat. You have to glide over to him, land, and not squish him, which he's easy to do. <laughs> and then he tells you the platform. Again, it's voice. Platform five, please. And you pick him up, and you fly into the platform. <laughs> but it's got that lunar lander physics where you, uh-huh. you want to you, you wanna use the fuel sparingly, but you need to use it in such a way that you land gently. There's like also this landing gear. You turn on your landing gear and it disables your side more sideways movements. You have to go with the momentum, but you need to mm. drop it so you can land. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. It's very simple to start with, but the later difficulty levels have um, there's there's one level I got stuck on today. It has uh, interference radar dishes that mess with your controls. There's <laughs> oh, also no. doors. There's doors and there's like moving platforms. Like there's a lot of stuff packed into this game. It's it's a, it's an interesting concept, and they've really rolled with it. So I think this is like my favorite game from that era. So I don't I, I don't remember if you guys mentioned. Did you guys play this, or have you played it since I mentioned it last time? I've played it. I've definitely played a lot more Lunar Lander. Um, yeah. um I think mainly because I don't remember playing this on the Apple II. I think I actually played it on the Commodore sixty four emulator later. Um because it was listed as one of the, one of the greater games, uh, you know, in the, in the lists of, of games. Um, and I just remember looking at it and going, it's a car, it's a car and I'm, and I'm flying a car up and down. Right. Like, um, and honestly looking at it, I think, I think I never got far because I don't think I realized that there was landing gear and I would always just crash and couldn't figure out the physics. So, um, and, and, I really want to go back and play this because I do absolutely love Lunar Lander. I love those physics of like coming in hot and having to slow down just enough and just right. And yeah, so this does look, this does look fantastic. Yeah. It has the, has the really fun element of some of the later stages are very narrow, tiny platforms Mm -hmm. and you have to just, you have to get on it and not hit the dude that you're trying to pick up. Like, and that's the same thing with crazy taxi later on. You don't want to hit the guy you're picking up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it just wow! There, one of the stages had a little tiny underground section with a fuel canister, so you had to like navigate the, the, there to get a fuel canister to do the rest of your pickups. Mm-hmm. It's it gets quite hard later on, but it's it's a fun one. I really do enjoy Space Taxi. How about you, Wolf? Uh so this game, and we mentioned this when you submitted this as a best game of all time, right? that it it seems a lot like what crazy taxi sort of replicated decades later you know mm-hmm. this is like as close as we could get to crazy taxi in 1984 when this came out and it's it's really cool it's it's funny cuz i'm looking at uh, some stuff and this game actually got cloned there was one called air taxi and a mm. later game called ugh <laughs> where you're a caveman on a flying contraption. <laughs> really? Ugg? Yes. Ugh. Fantastic. U-G-H exclamation point. Fantastic. <laughs> I love learning about stuff like that. That's great. I do. Yeah, yeah. 
this is really cool. And like looking at the the taxi, like you were saying, it's a car that's flying around. I think they had to give it that look to where it looked like a car, so it read as a taxi while you're flying mm-hmm. it around, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it would just look like this weird, you know, nondescript block of pixels with a windshield. Right, right, <laughs> or or lunar lander where it looks like the lunar module, right? Which wouldn't, yeah. which yeah. wouldn't play out. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm watching well, yeah, this, this current this a current hell of a level. game for 1984. And yeah, a bouncing ball. Pong. A bouncing ball is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the levels are better than others. What can I say? But it's it's funny because like this game. Okay, I'm glad there's clones of it. I'm gonna check out UG. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> but there wasn't really I think there was a sequel years later on, on Windows, but it's not the same. This game didn't really I think get anything any follow-ups later on unless it is just rip-offs but i think crazy taxi wow, is the closest we'll get and i really do enjoy it like i'd love to see 20 years later in crazy taxi style yeah that would no, be the, cool and and i do want to also point out a lot of the games during this era were you know on the on the nintendo you had scrolling and that's because the nintendo was actually yeah. built and designed for scrolling and so a lot of the games that you had on the on the early computers, the uh, Apple, Commodore, ZX Spectrum, et cetera, were, were essentially stationary screens, platformers. Um, Jumpman, Load Runner, uh, which since was mentioned in our chat. Um, and sadly, we're not going to really, I mean, we could probably touch on Load Runner a little bit, but that's a game that still holds up um, for sure. But um, funny enough, now later on, there were some developers that figured out how to do scrolling, but... Um, a lot of it is you see a lot of these games where it's a static screen Um, room by room if you're if you're lucky Mm -hmm. but yeah otherwise single screen levels but i mean they a lot of games did a lot with it like you did mention load runner is fantastic for that too i forgot about load runner because i was playing that the other week with you and it's it's pretty great but uh yeah space taxi definitely a favorite game not just on the Commodore 64 but i think it's one of my favorite games it's it still really does hold up i think well, I'd hope so, since you nominated it for a top 100. Yeah, better be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, this looks great. I'm going to have to spin this up. Um, yeah, it it looks like it's actually, there was a, so like you said, it got a sequel, Space Taxi 2 from in 2004. Um, there's also a fan-made game that came out, I don't know when, but not too long ago, like after Space Taxi 2, called Space Cab. So it's mm. just sort of like a. <laughs> the names have been yeah. changed to protect the innocent. Yeah. Is that Windows or is it like Flash or what was that? I think it's Windows. Yeah. Space Cab is Windows. Okay. okay. I'll check that out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, anything else to touch on on Space Taxi? No, I think when I was going back to play these C64 games, because uh, growing up, I didn't have one. My cousin did, and a friend of mine did. So I would go to their place, and they both had this game. It was this in BC, it's Quest for Tires. And this was always the one I wanted to play, honestly. So I think, I think it's a... <laughs> I wish I had a C64, and I could have experienced more of the games in that thing, but this is definitely one of the games I would have wanted. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, um, I can I can go next with one of my picks. Um, so, uh, let's see what was, oh, uh, aliens, the computer game. So I, I wanted to touch on this one specifically because in a previous episode about 
movie video games are they good or bad right like are <laughs> video games based on a movie i brought up terminator <laughs> or terminator 2 which was outright bad like it was a bad port <laughs> or not a bad port it was a bad version of a of a, a video game taken from a movie but before that time uh aliens had come out and there was an Aliens, the computer game, literally called Aliens, the computer game, uh, on the Apple II and the Commodore 64 and a number of other systems that blew my mind because I had I was too young to see the movie, but I had the game and it had it had dialogue from the movie. It had the story from the movie like it gives you all of it. And then it has it took certain aspects from the movie and turn them into actual gameplay. Like one of the first things you have to do, it's, it's a, it's, I guess it's a puzzle, but you have to identify your weapons and your hardware. Like it's a little pointer and it's like, what's the, you know, whatever rifle and you have to go and select it. I want to ask you about that because was that a form of DRM for that? Because I I tried playing this earlier today. I couldn't figure (laughs) this game out at all, but I got stuck on that screen trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. Cause I kept clicking on what I thought was the uh, flamethrower and it's like, Nope, uh-huh. like, smart gun. Nope. <laughs> I, could, I was wondering if it was DRM and I needed to manual it first. I got it. I don't know because I always played a cracked version. Okay. <laughs> so it might've, it right. might've just been like, cause I remember getting the no, but I would, I could eventually get to yes, like it and it would continue on. So, um, but like on the screen, like it's it's literally got the dialogue from the movie. Like that's another bug hunt. Like you know it's 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 and and it was a cool idea because it was it was almost digitized screens from the from the movie. In fact, there is one digitized screen from yeah. the movie. Um, when spoilers, folks, Sigourney Weaver's in the in the loader and says, "Get away from her, you bitch." That was the other thing that blew me away from, <laughs> about this game is this game had on the screen, get away from her, you bitch. Like I had never (laughs) seen, I had, I was too young to see the movie at this point. So, but it has some great aspects. Like after you identify your, your equipment, um, you then are doing the, the landing on the planet and it's the, in the pipe five by five. Right. And you have to maintain essentially the, the aspect in the center of the screen. And, um, I mean, it's, it, it took concepts from the movie and turned them into interesting concepts instead of being the, the stupid slide puzzles that we had as kids, but it was like, ter- a, you know, make the Terminator's face like, you know, so, um, I love that part and, of Terminator's movie where he rearranges face <laughs> with tiles. It's, it's a classic. It's great. <laughs> and there's the one missing tile that you can always move pieces into. Uh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember it too. Um, so like on the screen, at least for me right now, is the in the pipe five by five, the landing portion. Um, you then, <laughs> it then gets to probably the most stressful point of the game for me. And as an adult, I can't get past. You're trying to find your way to the, um, to the, to the APC, the armored personnel carrier. And you're all separated. And you have the heart monitors from like the movie where the person's watching the heart monitors and everything. And you get these indicators when there's aliens getting near a person and it flashes red. And so you switch to that person, but sometimes you have two people at the same time. 
that are under duress from aliens and it gets incredibly stressful. So you generally don't make all four people get to the APC. <laughs> you, you, you probably lose one or two on the way. So did you need all four people to finish the game? No, no, okay. but, but it, it did carry through. Um, cause there's a stage after this where you're having to cut, uh, cut your way through a door and the cutting of the way through the door is happening automatically, but there's a person there with essentially a flamethrower trying to hold the aliens at bay while they cut through the door. And if an alien gets through, they take one of the people away. And so if you get into this portion with less people, you have less people to lose in the next right. aspect. So, um, and then it's great. It culminates at the end with, um, you know, the, the battle. It's a first person battle. You're in the loader. And you are taking out the mother alien. So, and, and what's great, you know, I, I pulled this up on the mister and I'm looking at it going, these, these graphics are great. They are honestly great. Like I can tell what an alien is. I can tell, you know, what, what the, each piece is. Um, you know, we think of, we think of the super blocky, you know, uh, pixelated which it is but you can actually tell what everything is so um so i i love this game um now as i said i played a cracked version so i don't know <laughs> maybe you got a dr <laughs> you got a drm'd version and i eventually got through DRM'd. it and then i got to the um the section where you did the load where you get the fall and i i, uh -huh. I messed that part up but i have to give another shot shot i was skimming through for people watching the youtube video the various sections the, the flamethrower section and the final piece with the loader and the alien go back and forth Yes, it's pixels, but I love what they've done with the backgrounds. The backgrounds, yes, they did a really great job trying to interpret the background scenes in the movie as elements in the game. Like it's it's something that you would see normally in like an adventure game or something. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this was this was a game I loved as a kid. Um, you know, and and sadly, and we're probably going to have to do another one of these episodes because there are so many games from my childhood. Like I said, we could probably talk about Load Runner for a while, right? But, um, but yeah, so I, I absolutely love this one. Um, but this was also during the era that I couldn't buy very many games, so I found <laughs> games. So I also didn't have the manual, and so some of it was just trial and error and make it through, right? So. I, I do want to mention two things watching the gameplay of this in the uh, for what the viewers are mm. seeing. Um, first off, clever use of color since the aliens mm -hmm. are literally just black, <laughs> like in the movies, they're just black, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. their entire sprite is just black moving over yes. this really colorful background. It's kind of funny. Absolutely. Um, but also what looked to be the main gameplay loop um it reminded me a lot of Alien Syndrome. I don't know mm, if you guys yes. ever played that. Yes. Uh -huh. it, it looks like Alien Syndrome, but like maybe a little bit more in depth in one way and less in other ways, you know? That's, yeah. It's kind of interesting. I'm pretty sure I, this came before Alien Syndrome. Makes me wonder. I'm sure it did, yeah. 86 I Syndrome, agree. I think, was later on. I will agree. It has... Um, whichever one came first, definitely the second did borrow from some aspects, um, especially the part where you're trying to get to the APC, which I think is the part you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, 
obviously alien syndrome, you're not switching between characters that are probably all dying at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you're just one guy. Or if you're playing two players, there's two of you running around, but Uh it's a little little blobby. The first thing I thought when I saw it, I was like, Oh, alien syndrome. I used to play it all the time as a kid. So (laughs) absolutely. So no, this is, uh, I, I love this game. I love this game. Oh, I think we're seeing the alien go into the airlock. Not yeah, bad for a human. Open. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and yep, yep, yeah. And and what's great is like that's a scene from the movie, right? Like that is an actual scene from the movie. So um, Bishop says, "Not bad for a human." So also pretty gory. That's the thing, I guess, with, yes. the, with the PC games of the era. They didn't care so much about the RCB because it wasn't around, right? It was just they could do what they wanted. Interesting. And what's crazy is when I saw the movie later, I was, it's, it's, you know, it's like, do you read the book first and then you compare the book to the, or the movie to the book, or do you watch the movie (laughs) and then compare the book to the movie? In this case, I played the computer game and then I compared the movie to the computer game. Right. So anyway, wow, the movie looks a lot better than the video game. (laughs) Hey, look, the aliens are, are three-dimensional. This is great. All right. Do you do you guys want me to sprinkle in my uh Absolutely. my yeah. little discourse here? Absolutely. So, having not grown up with either of these, I mm-hmm. didn't get access to a PC until 1989. I was six years old, and that was an Amiga. And there was only a few games I played for that before moved away from my uncle, so I didn't have access to that anymore. Um didn't get my own PC till like 1998 so you know the entire landscape had changed by then um i did have a kid who i used to go to his house and we'd play like scorched earth and larry in the lounge uh larry in the land of the lounge lizard and stuff like that but even then that was limited we usually hung out and played nes or super nintendo or genesis or something like that so uh i i got curious and i learned that choplifter which was a game i grew up playing on the master system originated on the Apple II. And Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. It was designed for the Apple II. And interestingly enough, like even though it didn't have backgrounds, the background itself was just mostly black screen, mm-hmm. right? It still incorporated the sort of parallax movement of things that were further back on the field than, you know, the the things in the foreground. So it, it had a degree of parallax, even though there was no serious background of the game which was pretty cool the gameplay looked largely the same as what it was on the master system and i was really surprised i was like wow like you actually see the chop the the chopper Uh turn directions Uh and fire different ways and you got the jets coming in like it's the exact same game it's Uh just not as pretty and that was kind of wild to me um yeah i love chop lifter on the apple so absolutely yeah, is like wild, I didn't even know this was on everything. <laughs> like it was on it every did, console, like, but yeah. It it got ported to all sorts of stuff. Um there was later a sequel for like Game Boy and then yep. for whatever reason Choplifter 2 got ported to like Game Gear and something else but was called Choplifter 3 on those other mm-hmm. things it was ported mm-hmm. to. But then there was also a Choplifter 3 for Super <laughs> Nintendo that is nothing like the other Choplifter 3s. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Choplifter yeah, like three Chop Lifter, or something. Yeah. The original Choplifter is literally you're just a little uh, like a military chopper 
going behind enemy lines, rescuing prisoners of war, freeing them and carrying them back to your base, right? Very yep. simple concept, lots of fun, different layers of difficulty depending on the stage you're on as you get further and you get new obstacles and whatnot. <laughs> so I was like, how did they do later Choplifter games? I actually watched some gameplay of Choplifter 3 and oh my goodness, it's basically Contra of Choplifter. <laughs> like you got <laughs> giant giant anti-air cannons and you're flying around in caverns underground. I was like, what is happening in this game? That's so, awesome. But Choplifter 1 is super friggin' cool. If you've never played yeah. it, if you've never played a Choplifter, go check it out. Um, so you mentioned, uh, Jake, you mentioned Castle Wolfenstein earlier. That started, that entire franchise started on the Apple II. Um, yep. Sinistar, one of your favorite games, Bard's Tale, started on the Apple II. Uh, Ultima. Oh, yeah, you're being your cards yes. out. Sinister's pointing yeah. at a shelf. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Ultima, yeah. The Ultima franchise started on Apple II. Up through four, up through Ultima four. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Akalabath or Akalabath or however you pronounce it, which was kind of, uh, Ultima zero. We could probably call it Ultima zero. Ultima one, two, three, and four. Uh, Richard Garriott developed on the Apple and every, yeah. every other system was a port. So, what was but the one that you had like, me play, Star? Was that Ultima four. 4? So in that one, yeah. just for a second, that one. It was really cool, but that one, I actually want to play it now Go after I played a few minutes with it with you. It's neat in that there's like a um, a dialogue system, a rudimentary dialogue system. When you go to the guard, for example, in the king's room, you can ask him his name. You can ask mm-hmm. him his job. And if you type guard, he'll ask you if, you, if you're honorable or something. Like they ask, there's, It's basic, but mm-hmm. it's got the elements of typing in questions and getting answers back really amazing for for a game of that era i was really impressed by that so i, I do want to give that one another go also got poisoned and died pretty quickly <laughs> so it's probably hard as hell well, you fought a viper that was the first thing you fought was a viper and it killed me <laughs> like i haven't died that quick in a video game since elden ring like it's crazy uh i the want to go back franchise is one i intended like actually play through and mm. i know there's entries that people are like i'll just skip them start with this one or you know, don't even bother with nine shit like that. But I, I'm pretty sure I have all nine of them. Between, don't bother with nine. Uh, <laughs> that's Ascension, right? I think that's what that is. Uh, I think that uh, is Ascension. But I, I have all of them between like Gog and uh, Origin, EA, whatever they call it now. I don't know. <laughs> but I, uh, I want to play through them because again. I fell in love with Ultima Online back when that came out. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. because of that, it it sort of built an appreciation for that world. And I've played on like numerous free shards for Ultima Online. But the Ultima franchise is one I've been meaning to play for literally like 25 years now and just never have outside of like a Super Nintendo rental for Ultima 6 or something, I think. Yep. There are some. So I'm not going to tell you not to play all of them because honestly, I have a goal to go back and play every wizardry <laughs> game as well. And I know that there are some bad wizardry games, but I have a goal. Now, the problem is, is by picking wizardry, I'm picking probably the hardest RPGs known to man. <laughs> but I, I want to go back and play them. And I want to understand, you know, like the whole weird, like anyway. Um, so yeah, play Ultima. There are definitely some key Ultimas. So if you bounce off of one, play Ultima 3, exodus play ultima four play ultima six 
and Ultima 7, those are all fantastic in the franchise. Every single one of those. So Ultima 8 is the one I keep thinking, like, I'll start with that one because that looks like Ultima Online, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but eight, eight I, was okay. I feel like I should go back and play them from the beginning if I can mm-hmm. because if I don't, you know, it's it's kind of hard to go back and play Disc Gaia one after you've played Disc Gaia five. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Exactly. There is and, Ultima uh, three on the NES. Is I played a little bit of that one like a back in the day, and that game has for the NES a ton of classes and races. It's almost confusing when you're making your party because you have to make a full party <laughs> of characters, and there's all kinds of different races from paladins and thieves and different races. Yep. It's straight. It's more complicated than D anD D, and that's saying something for the eighties. But I always was interested in it because I used to love Dragon Warrior at the time. And that reminded me of Dragon Warrior, but overhead view tactics combat. I, I really want to play that one as well. I'm actually curious how that looks different on the NES compared to the Apple II version. That was a good one. I played, I don't remember which Ultima I tried on the NES, but they were they were different enough that I, I bounced off of it very quickly. Um, and I think that the limitation, of course, was the NES had... I don't remember what the cartridge size, 64K or something, something like that. And the Apple, you know, it was multiple discs and the discs were 360K, right? So, I mean, they, they had to pare it down quite a bit, obviously, but, um, I don't know. I, um, there's, I need to go look it back up now that you've made me think Richard Garriott was asked, what's your favorite port of Ultima? And I swear it was one on like a Game Boy or something that he was like, this is a great port. So I need to go back and look that up. Yeah. Um, okay, so when, I have for those that don't know, we're talking Richard Garriott is the developer, he goes by Lord British. He actually has put himself in most of his games. Um, really quick before, sorry, uh, Jimmy, if you have just a second, no here, I wanted to talk about so you choplifter. There is a game that I would call a spiritual progression, maybe. Uh, called okay. um, Rescue Raiders. It's on the Apple II as well. And the concept is, is you actually, like the main thing that you control is a helicopter and you move back and forth. But it's literally two armies that are moving toward each other's bases and you have to clear the way. And you can order different troops to come in and you can order like APC carriers, oh. you can order. And they have these balloons that can take out flying things. But you're, your whole purpose of it is you're the helicopter and you're basically trying to clear the way ahead of your army getting in, but it has that very choplifterish feel, but it's also a strategy game. So it's, it's really, that cool. sounds kind of neat. Uh, yeah. I want to check that out now. Um, yeah. so I have three more games that I want to list yeah. and then you guys can do some more games and then I've got another <laughs> list to run through. Awesome. Uh, so there's three more franchises that started on the Apple II. We've talked about one of them, Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia was originally developed for the Apple II and then got ported to just everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you if you want to learn about that one, we've done an episode on that. You can go check that out if you haven't. Uh, the Might and Magic franchise started on the Apple II. Yep. And I know, I know it's not an active development anymore. I don't think it has been for a good 10, 15 years at least. Is it? There and was one not too long ago, 2011, I think. 10, I think, was the last one. Um, but I think... I Heroes think of Might and Magic. Heroes has continued, yeah. But, um, but the that's original a very Might and Magic style. games were, you know, that 
dungeon crawler style, mm-hmm. like Lord, uh, Legend of Grimrock and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that started on the Apple II. And then mm-hmm. Wasteland started on the yes. Apple II. Yes, yeah. which led to... Uh, um, Fallout, right? Fallout. Yeah, it led to Fallout, right? Yeah, which was absolutely. not originally Bethesda. That was Interplay first. Sure, sure. <laughs> isometric. The first two were isometric top down. Um, as I think was the first Wasteland. one wasn't even isometric. I think the first one was literally just sprites, squares. Probably, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, and and Wasteland, uh, Wasteland has actually continued as well. They did a Kickstarter, and produced i think wasteland, wasteland 3, 3 a couple of years came out ago. a few years ago yeah, yeah. I remember that mm-hmm. yeah brutally got, hard. Uh, was it fargo who was the guy at uh interplay at the time yeah. who was the lead designer and they got him back in his new company to do it so that's that's really interesting yeah actually they brutally had a lot of success with kickstarter i think aren't they the guys who do pillars of the eternity series as well too yes yes yeah so they've definitely had a wow a renaissance over the last few years yeah, okay, great. So, You're bringing up great, awesome franchises. <laughs> this is awesome. So I'll let I'll let you guys run through your next two games, and then I've got some list uh, a list of games that started on the Commodore sixty four. Awesome. All right. Well, Jake, we're back to you then. Oh, um. So <laughs> I did want to go with a game that was um on the Amiga because I felt we should mention the Amiga. So mm-hmm. Wolf, I know you had one for access to one for a bit. I I only found it late when I got the Mister and check around with it. And I'm also surprised about how many games started on the Amiga. The Amiga was always that system that was popular in Europe, and a few people over here had it. But growing up, most people had the Commodore 64s and stuff. But anyway, the game I picked was Lemmings. Real quick, and like a, we all know, an Lemmings. unknown game, yeah. a hidden gem. Yeah, a hidden never gem. Never heard of it. Never played it. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, never but, uh, played, it's, I never played. I never. I never played. Isn't that connected hours. to Lomax? <laughs> similar designs yeah yeah i never <laughs> no, i never played lomax thousands is, of hours yeah lomax was a platformer that was a spin-off of that right for those right. who are unaware but yeah but yeah i never like, lomax the character is, is actually the name of one of the lemmings or is that you're just saying they look the same no no lomax was a game it was a platformer game that was a spin-off mm-hmm. of the lemmings franchise it yeah. takes place oh, in I the lemmings it world it's mm-hmm. uh, I just thought it was like a coincidence that he looked like the Lemmings characters. That's all I thought. No, they're Lemmings. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, I mean, the one of the reasons I picked this game for this week's episode is that uh, my kids will occasionally go on the arcade machine and play or play games of the Mister and uh, Lemmings for whatever reason they love Lemmings. I, I can't explain it. When I was their age, I hated this game because it's a puzzle game, and some of the later stages are quite difficult. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just they like exploding them. When they when they lose level, maybe that's what it is. All the little ways the that they can die. Well, when you <laughs> click the Armageddon button, they go, "Oh no!" Oh, it's great. I love it. And then they, that popcorn pop sound as they all blow up. I think it's hilarious. I'm a terrible human being, but I, I mean, this game. And I'm surprised. I played this as a kid on the Genesis, but going back to play the Amiga version, how damn well accurate they nailed it on the console ports like it it looks just yeah. like the amiga game so it's yeah. fantastic and this is psygnosis yeah, psygnosis yeah i would say the Gnosis, only difference yeah. between the uh the amiga version and the platform version the console versions is just I, amiga i think is a little higher as it higher resolution mm-hmm. i think so yeah. i don't remember if this if this was ags or if this was the original um ocs AGS was the advanced graphic system. Um, but either mm. way, I mean, it was still, 
I think it was still higher res than the consoles. So yeah. I played this on the DOS version, and re- and and I want to call out, just like you, I, I had a friend that had an Amiga, but I never played Lemmings on his Amiga. I played other games on his Amiga, but um, I spun up Lemmings on the Amiga on my Mister, and realized thirty years later that it has an intro video that is not in the DOS <laughs> yeah. version. The Amiga like one has an, an intro. intro video. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think the fly, I'm just the, that, but the I'm, lemmings fly in on a balloon. A balloon. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Guess they cut out of the Windows version. <laughs> yeah. DOS. That's DOS version. Yeah. DOS version. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah I yeah. I played hours and hours and hours of this game, and I the one thing I realized when I went back and played it again is. I'm nowhere near as accurate with a mouse now as when I was a kid. <laughs> well, they're they're very <laughs> tiny, and there's there's uh-huh. so many on some levels they fill the screen with these little buggers, and it's it's quite hard to pinpoint the one you want. There's one combo in particular. If in some levels you need to add climbing and the umbrella to one lemming, and they call mm-hmm. him an athlete, and sometimes hitting the same guy t- with both power ups can be tricky to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those that don't know, um, so Lemmings is a puzzle game. Um, basically, the goal is there's a, a side-scrolling. You don't have control of the Lemmings themselves. They literally just, just like Lemmings, one follows the other, and they just walk the screen in whichever path they come out of the of the portal. And you have to you have to prevent them from dying, and then give them uh, jobs or aspects to uh, basically um, navigate this course. And so some of them can be, uh, can lay platforms in a, in a row. So they basically build stairs. They're diggers that'll dig straight down. There's diggers that dig, dig forward. There's stoppers. Stoppers are huge. They're the ones that basically, if like your lemmings are going the wrong way, you put a stopper in the way and they, it's cool. They put their hands out. They're like, no. And they actually shake their head. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, but, it's really uh, neat, and it's yeah. and there was a sequel to this, but it didn't feel the same to me. Like the power ups a bit bit out there, and but this was ported to every system, so I feel like Lemmings is a game that everybody's played. Maybe they just don't realize it was on originally on on the Amiga, but I don't think we've had a game quite like this since then. At least not with this many of them on the screen at the same time and this kind of power ups. The only other game I can think of like this is maybe Humans, but that mm. that's kind of a different kind of gameplay. Gotcha. I didn't, I don't remember playing humans. So, uh, and then generally at the end of a, uh, you have to get a percentage of your lemmings through the end portal. And once you get there, you can either try to get the rest of them through as best you can, or you can blow them up. <laughs> and that's generally <laughs> that how it kind of rolled. Yeah. You just blow them <laughs> so, up. You don't, you don't need all of them. It's just population control. It's, it's, it's how they do things. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> It's great. It's very cute, really fun animations with some of the backgrounds. Um, music was really great from that company. That they, they, they did always hot jams. And very just, clever. Just, I think a hundred levels. I think something ridiculous. This is a game I would never finish because there's so many levels to it. And it gets well, they so came out with an expansion called "Oh No More Lemmings" that I think added yeah, another 50, <laughs> 50 levels or something. Like it was, yeah. yeah. You could you could play Lemmings into perpetuity, honestly, if you wanted to. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is a great call out. 
So I love this game. And this is one I have, I did stream actually for a, a, a stream. So, Oh, lemmings. Okay. I did. I did. I brought up the, uh, the, amu- the, uh, Amiga emulator on the Mr. So awesome. Anything else to say on lemmings? Either of you? No, I mean, I just, I just think how wild that game is. There's even a Game Boy version of that. <laughs> like, really? What? How's that even more? I, I didn't, I'm looking at a list now. I didn't realize there's a port on the Game Boy for this game. Huh. That sounds crazy to me. Excellent. Yeah, the most recent Lemmings game looks like it was 2006. Hmm. So there's there's been a few. There's Lemmings and then the expansions. Oh, no more Lemmings. Lemmings <laughs> 2, The Tribes. Uh, uh-huh. All New World of Lemmings. 3D Lemmings. Holiday lemmings. lemmings. You don't talk about 3D lemmings. Lemmings Revolution, <laughs> and then Lemmings from 2006. And okay. then the spinoffs okay. were Adventures of Lomax and Lemmings Paintball. <laughs> that sounds like that led to Splatoon later. <laughs> oh, Maybe. it was the 2006 Lemmings for the PSP? I think it was uh, the PSP game. Let me see. It was. I played that. That's that's. I played that version. It was pretty good. Uh, it was a remake of the original Lemmings, yeah, for PSP, PS2, yeah. and PS3. Hmm. PS3, okay. But yeah, the PSP version was, that game was legit. That was a really well done remake. Hmm. Nice. Might have to check that out. I've got a PSP. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let's see. My My next game... Um, there, I, I never played the first Jake, you played the first, so we can talk about that in a minute, but I never played the first, but this is Archon two, uh, the adept, I think is, it was the sub name. Yeah. That's the subtitle. I can't believe this game got a sequel. This is like telling me there's a sequel to chess. <laughs> that's, this is, that's what you told me. There's an Archon two because there is a chess two, but it's, it's, was like a joke, but yeah, Archon two, that's wild to me. Yeah. So the whole premise is, you're, you're, you're these two adepts. They're, they're magicians essentially. And there are six power points. Two of them are in the center. They're in, they're in what are called the void. Um, but there are also two that are four that move around a little bit, turn to turn. So they'll move, they'll move between the layers and the layers represent the different elements. So the outside is fire. I don't remember if what the second is air and then water, and then air. Yeah, I think that's what it yeah. is. Purple apparently is air. Um, that's but how it works. Yeah. yeah, each each player takes turn. They have four adepts take turns. They have four adepts, and the adepts can do different things, like move themselves, or they can summon different creatures. They have a uh, an energy limit, and basically, the way that you win is either one player controls all six uh, uh, of the of the power points. Or one of the players runs out of energy. Uh, or one player casts the apocalypse spell, I think. Anyway, it's the ending spell. Um, but what's interesting is, is there's, it's chess, but when you end up with two warring, uh, you know, icons on the same spot, it goes into a real-time battle screen. Yeah. It goes into a real-time battle screen. And each summoned type of creature has different 
attacks. It's it was kind of I mean it was kind of novel at the time because like the juggernaut, which is weird. It looks like a it, when it's top down, it looks like a car, but it has literally a rolling attack where it goes. If you the minute you attack, it just goes in a straight line to the end of the screen. The Gorgon, uh, I think. I think the Gorgon slows the character or slows the enemy. And once the enemy can no longer move, they lose. Um, Some of them are simply, you know, shooting this, this way or the other. Um, But it's, it's kind of a very cool chess concept where, you know, it's, it's when I was a kid and I saw, um, you know, a new hope, right. There's the chess board or the, the whatever board and they fight each other. Right. And this is kind of that concept, right. So, <laughs> yeah, um, this is each, so I played it. I played about 10 minutes of this earlier today, and uh, I liked the first game. I, I didn't own it, but I played quite a bit of it in uh, a friend's place. And it's basically the same idea, but in that game, it literally was a chess board, <laughs> like white okay. and black. And you had all your pieces on the one on the one side, and the other player had his piece on the other side. And it was very much that, but the same idea when two pieces met on the same spot, they'd have a real time battle, and all the characters had different abilities. Which for a game like this, there's a that's a surprising amount of depth in what piece does what right like it's not it's it's got the chess mechanics right but each piece is unique within what they do is interesting like the firebird in this game does a fireball effect or whatever really Mm -hmm. cool uh when i was trying to play it really hard to figure out because i didn't realize what the layers of elements were (laughs) because that was new and why and where my pieces were because you're lined up in the middle and i couldn't Mm -hmm. tell those were my pieces i thought they were trees (laughs) So it took, me, oh. it took me a few minutes to figure out what to do in this one. But once I got the hang of it, it's actually, it is better than the first game. Uh, and it's surprisingly amount, a lot of, a lot of summons, like a lot. And you have picked Absolutely. variety of what you do, but I think you're right. It's, it's certain summons, I think cost certain amounts of energy. So mm-hmm. you can't just use the same overpowered pieces over and over. You have to be a bit more right. strategic with what you summon, but it's, it's a really well, good and game. You do have, you do have additional spells besides just summoning. Like there's a harm spell. Yeah that reduces the pieces and there's a heal spell there's actually an exile but apparently that one takes a substantial amount of energy so if you know say they have uh, if i remember i haven't played this in a long time but if i remember i always favored the chimera piece um and if somebody had a chimera against me i would be i would basically be like exile that off the board that's that's like that's too powerful so um, but no, it's, I mean, it was a, it was a great version of, of, I guess you could call it semi real time chess, right? With yeah. mythical creatures. <laughs> so take that battle chess. That's right. There was now a, I love, chess I love sucks wait, compared to the chess is ass. No, compared wait. to Archon, come on, Archon's so much well, better. Okay. But, but the great thing about battle chess was the clever deaths. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. But I mean, Especially this is kind of wild. Like it's, it there's an element of sort of tactical RPG, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it comes down to literal, you know, fighting mechanics to yeah. a degree. You know, combat yeah. mechanics and knowing how to use the characters you use. Right. And so, right. while technically one character could be weaker than an, another one by a long shot, you can still win with that weaker character if you know what you're doing. For sure. So yeah, it, sure. this is interesting to me. I like this. Um, and then here's the, once again, just like I talked about with the other game, I never had the manual for this game. So I, I didn't figure out how to win until like trial by accident. 
all of my pieces were on the flashing <laughs> PowerPoints and it like you win. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah. Also gonna add there's an Archon three as well, apparently. I didn't even know that existed. So I have to go check wow. out all three and see what the difference is. I love the original Archon. That's like to me is one of the standout classics of PC gaming back then. I just can't believe there's two more sequels to this game. Like finding out there's a so, balloon fight too. Like it's it just doesn't happen. So there was a, a spiritual successor uh, that came out in the '90s on on PC on MS DOS um, called Dark Legions. And if I remember right, it was a TSR game. So I think. I think all of the creatures were D and D based creatures, if I remember right. But yeah, unlike right. Archon two, where it's a single board, you had a scrolling field. It was really a battlefield. And, um, but at the same concept, you have the pieces, they have different movement types. Uh, you have a certain amount of summons that you can do. And when they move into the same spot, just like this, they go into real time battle, but it's, you know, demons versus elementals or, you know, vampires versus uh you know i don't remember chimera probably i don't remember all the pieces but um but it was a great spiritual successor i played the hell out of that one too so that one's well worth playing and uh i have verified it does run on um on the uh 486 core on the mister in ms dos okay so interesting yeah. interesting yeah so but all yeah right. Are we ready for another list? Yes. <laughs> all right. You're gonna you're gonna so, you're gonna make me think of all the awesomeness that I've forgotten about. It's great. Okay, so these are some games that started on Commodore 64. We're gonna start with some lesser. We got Impossible Mission, which only had a couple entries, but it's considered a classic by a lot of people uh, who played it back in the day. It I think it got a sequel. Um, so Impossible Mission is one of those that sort of inspired other games as time went on. Then you've got Turrican. The Turrican franchise started on yes. Commodore 64. Did it really? Not the Amiga? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, it was ported to the Amiga oh, later. Oh, weird. Okay. I looked when you hold these. up like best Amiga yeah. games, everybody so says... If I am mistaken, everybody. it's because Wikipedia is mistaken. <laughs> I want you to know. So, uh, no, I believe it. I believe it. I just, I have only yeah. played Turrican on the Amiga. Anyway. Yeah. Keep keep on going Great I, list. i've only played uh i want to say super turrican or mega turrican for the genesis that's the only one i've played but okay um and then here's a major one sid meyer's pirates yes has been ported oh, yeah. to so many things remade so many times this started on commodore 64 yeah oh really i didn't i thought that was an apple II one i Dirty played it on the Secret. apple II, i've never played pirates Really? Never played. Oh, any you got to play. Pirates. I've seen them so many times. I've never played one. Pirates um, Gold that came out. I think it was either remade or remastered, or maybe that was the the semi modern version. I think it came out in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, that I one, say it was like two thousand six or something. Two thousand eight. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great game. I would even say you could start with it. I mean, if you want the nostalgia, go back. But you can start with Pirates Gold. Yeah, when and I had then, uh, my uncle had the Sega oh, channel. Hold on, I got to talk about pirates. Hold on, that's fine, like that's fine. go for it. My uncle had a Sega channel, and uh, I was checking that out. And there's two games that made him question why he even was paying for the Sega channel. And the first one was Aerobiz, which was an airplane airline simulator, and I for some reason <laughs> loved that. The second one was Pirates, and like the variety of gameplay, like it's a trading simulator, 
But then you have these battles and they're fun to do. And this is the Genesis version, which I'm sure was not the ideal way to play pirates, but it, it's what I had. But then you you also get to marry somebody. And so you're trying to find somebody's daughter on the various islands and there's different mm-hmm. ages and different. There's a lot going on in pirates for a game. Even the ship battles are fun. If you have a sloop, you're like zipping around the map, shooting your cannonballs, or you have a really big ship of the line with like a bunch of cannons, but you're slow as crap. There's a lot in that game. And I'm surprised we don't have more like that. I know we have Sea of Thieves, which is probably the closest we're going to get, but there's no sword fighting in that game. So not like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the pirates franchise. Uh, yeah. I guess I could call Sea of Thieves a spiritual successor, but I I'm with you. I don't know that there is a game like pirates other than pirates. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, another great call out. And I did play that on the Apple too. I never played it on the C64, but I did play it on the Apple too. And then uh, Chard was going to talk about this one when we were going to do this before he was in the middle of moving. Ghostbusters. Yes, and I think we're going to have a in-depth on that, but yes. Yeah, we'll do an episode on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters I think is worth its own episode, but this is one that was originally developed for Commodore 64. It was a different game entirely, when it was in development and became mm-hmm. this. And I can't remember offhand what the name of the game was, but you know, the, the good old fashioned 1986, 85 Ghostbusters game for NES and master system all started as a Commodore mm-hmm. 64 game, which is kind of cool. And the very uh, best port and- on the Atari 2600. That's how I, <laughs> <put it. laughs> actually, it's I think the, the master system one is regarded as the best of them. Did the master system Atari have the, the digi- real low? Trust me. <laughs> Did the master system have the uh, the digitized voice at the at the beginning in the song? I am not sure, but I know it actually yeah. expanded on gameplay elements and mm. added some stuff that was not in other entries. I just remember uh, driving and sucking up ghosts with your car vacuum. Anyway, and then I've got two more games that started life on both of these at the same time both the Apple II and the Commodore 64. We've got Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maniac Mansion is a classic. Most of the people yep. I know who love it fell in love with it on the NES, but this is a great game nonetheless. And then California Games. Yes. I had no idea that that started on these two platforms. That's wild to me. And the NES yeah, port played- was fantastic. I've only played yeah, the I, Master System one. I never played the okay. NES one. Really? I played the hell of it on the Commodore, actually. And that that's probably one of the early... I should have thought of that one. Because Commodore, Commodore 64 California Games is excellent. And the NES one is good, too. But I really like that Commodore version of that game. And it... I mean, there were a whole bunch of the game series, right? Like, I played I played the hell out of Winter Games on my Apple II. Yeah. Um, I love doing bobsled, you know... Um, I, whenever I had to do slalom, it was a slog, but I loved doing bobsled and yeah. I had, um, the one with the gun. Was that one? Is well, it, slalom had the gun. Is a slalom like, it's where you do the cross country and then you have to shoot uh-huh. the targets. I yep. like that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought yeah. that one was good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, that's a fantastic list. That, yeah, that's my list. And if anybody is curious why I didn't mention, uh, What's it called? Oregon Trail. It's because Oregon Trail started in 1971, well before these platforms existed. It started as something else and was later ported. So, yep. 
Yep. The only reason is because it was a text-based game before it actually had imaging later. Yeah, but um, GP and I did was, an episode on Oregon Trail and it entered edu- educational games a while back, and that was one of the games we talked about. How it was a uh, basic created for school, university did it, and they had no had fourteen years before that. It was play. a legit, just text-based game. Was it? It was not originally an educational game. Interesting. Okay. Now think like it was. If, I was going to say, think like if Oregon Trail played like when, I don't know if you guys ever played Drug Wars on the TI-83 yes. back in high school or anything. But I played Drug Wars. not played on, Drug Wars from our generation. I played, <laughs> I played Drug Wars on bulletin board systems. But yes, I played Drug wow. Wars. <laughs> so it's yeah. basically, that's how Oregon Trail started, was just all text-based interface. That's it. Mm-hmm. In 1971. Mm-hmm. So it's, now, it's older. It was, uh, I think, part of the reason that everybody thinks of the Apple II Oregon Trail is uh, it, it, I think it was part of Apple II's initiative of getting Apple II's into the door by giving huge discounts to education. And I think that they included Oregon Trail because, hey, educational game right yeah people can learn about dying of dysentery let's go (laughs) honestly today was the first time i ever learned that it didn't start as an educational game so i'm just i'm just spreading the knowledge at this point that's what we're here for right (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah like i know when we talked about doing this episode since our like you had mentioned apple 2 and like i I remember the apple 2 because i played a lot of that in school we had a computer lab and it was all apple 2s but for me, it was always like number munchers were in time as Carmen San Diego, like and a bunch of random educational titles. And then you had me, you gave me a list of games to go through the Apple II, like Ultima and freaking Pirates mm-hmm. is there. And what was that auto game, the dystopian one? Um, tw- uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name now, but yeah, just played Auto it. Wars or what? It's but it's the one based on the Steve Jackson game, um, the yes. tabletop. Um, it's, auto, it's Car Wars or something like that. Car war, something like that. Why am yeah, I blanking on it? Yeah, and it's um, wild. But that's all Apple too. Like this one. I'm surprised the depth of software on the Auto Apple Duel. II. I didn't realize there was that much of a catalog of games in the system. Auto Duel. That's the game. Auto Duel. Auto Duel. Yeah. And Test Drive. Test Drive started on the <laughs> Apple II. So the Test Drive series. Yeah. What, yeah, like test drive that we your... that we know from the PlayStation era, it started on the Apple II. And if you like test drive, you should go back and play the Apple II version and remind yourself how lucky you have it because that first game was hard as hell. <laughs> I was like, going, if you go too fast, you crash like your window cracks. Uh-huh. Just going too fast, it crashes. It's yeah. really funny. Uh-huh. But it's got the yep. little cops and everything chasing after you. It's it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's got the radar detector, and you're supposed to slow yeah. down when the radar detector goes off. Yeah. And you don't. So when you're Jake, you just keep going and get pulled over by the cops. It's fine. Or you just yeah. clip the side of the mountain and you die, you know, just as you do. But yeah, there's a lot yeah. of great stuff in that Apple too. Yeah, it's it's a system well worth um, uh, checking into. And I think kind of what started this whole thing, I think, I think the reason, I, I feel like I was the one that brought this up and brought this as a concept, but maybe I'm wrong. But um on the Mister, the Apple II core has always had a significant failing, uh, and and we can talk about why. But um, the the disk drive um, interface for the Mister on the Apple II was read only for a very long time, 
and they just finally uh, released uh, read-write access for for very specific types of disk images, but there are converters to convert your disk images. So, um, and I, I actually want to talk about that. So, the reason that disk I/O or in, input output is hard on the Apple was it was actually a decision by Steve Wozniak. So, when you talk Apple, you talk about Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. You know, these are the two people that started it. And Steve Wozniak was really the technical giant. And -hmm. one of the things that he looked at was uh, the other systems that were coming out with disk-based systems, like the Commodore 64, the disk drives were massive and expensive. And the reason why is because they actually had the controllers built into the drives. They actually had a computer in the controller. And the reason why they did that is because they basically made it so the disk drive always knew where the where the read and write head was and all of that stuff. And Steve Wozniak said, I don't want bulky drives and I don't want the expense of having a second computer. And so he he built a drive that was a very dumb drive. And so that <laughs> Apple II and, and well, and I mean basically he, well, he that didn't sound wanna, they make, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to dedicate hardware to the disc drive specifically to like determine where that drive head was. So if a drive went to go read data and it didn't get the data and it didn't know where it was, it always backed to zero. And to make sure that it was a zero, it actually hammered the drive head against the edge a few times. And so that's where that sound from those drives was iconic. So, but it also made for, at the time, inexpensive drives and also significantly smaller. You look at a Commodore 64 drive and these things were, you know, a good foot long, you know? So, uh, you know, yeah, you I know order a foot long sandwich or a Commodore 64 drive. Or it's a drive. Yeah. I, I remember the, um, the last time that we did an episode on older computer games, I feel like a lot of the time the focus goes to point and clicks and adventure games because I do have a lot of history with the old Sierra stuff. Like I almost brought up uh, Manhunter 2, which is a game I loved playing mm-hmm. on, on DOS. It also was on the Amiga, but ultimately the DOS version I think was better. There's a lot a lot of those adventure and point clicks there, but there's also quite a bit of shooters and platforming games and sports games. Yeah. Like there's there a lot of different genres that we know in home consoles that were also on PC computing at the time. And a lot of those games didn't make it to consoles and some of them did. It's, it's definitely a, a library of games people might have missed out on. The very first Madden game was an Apple II. Was an Apple II game. The very was first it? Madden oh. football. Yep. At least. Well, you know what that makes sense. EA, the, yeah. EA had that license, and they brought it to Genesis. They were big on Genesis early on because of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. EA Trip Hawkins. Yeah. I mean, Trip Hawkins really drove drove the era. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna point at my background again. So get your bingo cards out. But you know, <laughs> EA. EA produced, essentially, they look like uh, record sleeves. And then on, on the inside, they actually put forward the developers and engineers as almost these rock stars. Like, this was a this is what Trip Hawkins did. And the EA of today, I think, uh, Trip Hawkins has basically said one of the worst things he's he did was sell it. So, um, <laughs> well, well, I mean, hopefully made money you, off it. But, yeah, when you were a big name in the development industry mm-hmm. in the late 80s and early 90s, like, that was massive. You know, yeah. you, you had people like David Crane and, you know, Wasniak Sid Meier, and, Sid Meier. Sid Meier Sid Meier. and all these people, right? Like 
that you'd yeah. have their name attached to whatever they were doing. It wasn't just mm-hmm. this. It was this person's this or right. this created by this person. Like that was, it, I wouldn't say common, but it was a lot more prevalent than we see nowadays, right? Sure. Like yeah. even in the mid to late 90s, Peter Molino is like, his name was all over the magazines constantly. Fable, mm-hmm. black and white, other things he mm-hmm. did, you know, it was huge. So the names were a lot more well known then than I feel like they tend to be now. Now we know of like a handful of people that are just like major heads at companies, you know, like Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, he's massive because he's basically the Nintendo brand, right? Mm -hmm. But (laughs) yeah, 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 absolutely. Um and and I mean it also makes sense because there's no there's no game. Well, this isn't true. There's very 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 few games that are released today that are built by one person. Right. Yeah. There's occasionally yeah. an indie game like you know Super Meat Boy or something that comes out that's one person that develops it, right? Or but, two people, and then you know yeah, those two people. Yeah. It's there's yeah. rarely just a Phil Fish or Jonathan Blow or <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah. So. No, this is uh, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. I would love to someday have a, an episode. We're going to talk Ghostbusters at some point. I would love to have an episode on Ultima at some point. Once I actually play through some Wizardry games, I'd love to talk <laughs> Wizardry. Um, I mean, I played I played uh, Curse of the Dark Savant as much as I could. They're brutally hard. I'm going to use I'm going to use cheats. I'll be honest with you. But um, <laughs> Mind Magic, we could talk about that one for you know a while. There are some great um, uh, franchises that came out of this era that we still either know of today or still see today. Um, and I appreciate that you brought that up, uh, Wolf, as part of your talk is you know bringing up these franchises. So I I felt since I couldn't contribute from personal experience with these, I've never actually played. Uh, Commodore 64, seen one in person, and Apple IIs I only ever saw in school, and I think those were usually Apple IIe. So mm-hmm. uh, I, oh. I do believe I had a friend in high school whose dad loved his Apple II and had one in his office. That he was just mm-hmm. like a tech nerd. He was super sweet dude. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's about well, the, my extent of experience with those. Gotcha. I never had an Apple II, like a base Apple II. If you look at the Apple II, it was very base. It was like 16K of RAM. I had an Apple II Plus, and then I did have an Apple IIe later. So I did have a couple Apple II series game or series uh, uh, PCs. The first um, Apple was a monochrome green screen, wasn't it? Or amber colored screen? Um, I think they've always had color, but you had to have an RF modulator. So they always sold okay. the, the monochrome monitors. And you could, the most popular one was green and black. But yeah. there were also amber and black monitors as well that you could get too. So that that golden orange hue. Um, yeah. My aunt had a, an Apple II with an amber, and we'd go over to her house, and I'd always feel, I'd always be like, I want to play on your Apple II because it has an amber screen <laughs> instead of a green screen, you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yep. So awesome. Well, I. Um, I don't really have many, I mean, I did have a a third game, um, but I was good. I mean, I was just going to touch on it. Um, I guess I'll touch on it a little bit. Uh, a a game called death sword as I knew it, 
but whenever I've looked it up, it's been hard to find because depending on where and what system it was either called death sword or it was called barbarian. But this was a game that I, I remember, you know, as I said, I, I didn't have the, the money to buy a lot of games. And so we would, we would log on to bulletin board systems and download games. And I found this game called death sword and the memory with it is first off, you're of course, you know, depending you're, you're fighting in front of like a girl in a bikini. Cause you know, that's, that's what it was during the era. And if you look at the yeah. cover art for this, it actually, I think, I think there were advertisers that are, uh, you know, places that you, you could advertise that people would not put the advertisement up for this game. Cause it was, it was essentially a Fabio looking guy and this very buxom bikini laden anyway, but brutally hard fighting game you only had a handful of moves but i remember there was one move that if you could land it and i think i gave you the timing i'm looking it up here um if you could yeah one minute and 52 seconds if you could land the move the person you would chop the person's head off and blood would go everywhere and i remember the first time i did that move i was like what the crap (laughs) i think it's coming up yeah did you did you get to it yes yeah what's with the green dude uh and he talks and i don't remember what he like he just kind of talks to the screen and then moves off but um but yeah i remember playing hours and hours and hours of this because like hey i could chop somebody's head off (laughs) uh, you know i'm watching this yeah. And there's something to be said about a game that has the title at the top of the screen static the entire uh-huh. gameplay. Uh-huh. Death Sword. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh this is I didn't realize it was a fighting game, fighting game. Like this is kind of yeah, like the same style as like Karatika and uh, mm-hmm. uh Kung Fu or something, but Conan the Barbarian style. This actually looks pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, it's running at like I'm 10, 10 frames per second, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> But we didn't count frames per second back then. Very we didn't cinematic. even know what frames. Yeah, we didn't yeah, know what frames yeah. per second was. But uh, no, I, <laughs> I I played the hell out of this game, and and I just remember like the whole goal was to do the spinning move and take the person's head off. So I, I don't have much more to say about it other than uh, <laughs> it was a it was a laugh. It was you know. It, this was this was the joy of the day, you know, of logging into a bulletin board system. You had text, you didn't have any graphics, and you'd see these game names, and I was like, Death Sword, I'm gonna download that. That sounds awesome. So yeah. Anyway, no, it's a great era. I mean, the graphics, honestly, I feel like the graphics have held up. Yeah, they're not they're not the same as they are today, obviously, but you know. No, but I think when you compare it to like some of the consoles at the time, like I would take the I would take Apple II or or the um, Commodore sixty four's graphics over the Atari any day. Mm-hmm. I think they did a lot more mm-hmm. better job with it, and and I love my twenty six hundred, but the graphics suck. I'm sorry, <laughs> right? I mean, the closest we got to those PC era was <laughs> Commodore or sorry, the Coleco versions a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when I look at Commodore sixty four, like California games, we mentioned that that looks great. Even today, I think that holds up just fine along any of the Nintendo or any NES or Master System game. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, any other items of men of note or um, I would suggest no. there are free emulators. If you have a mister, 
uh, or whatever, spin up, spin up a Commodore 64 emulator or, a or an Apple emulator, go grab the, the TOSOC TOSOC archive off of archive.org for those systems and give a try to any of these games. Yeah. They're, they're well actually, worth your time. Actually archive.org, I think even lets you play some of these systems in your browser right on the website. Yeah. There's emulators built into archive.org. Some great text games. Also, we didn't even touch. We didn't even touch on text games, but like Zork, Zork was one of the first text games. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Planetfall, Indiana Jones, <laughs> Indiana Jones, Leather Goddess of Phobos. Maybe don't play that one. <laughs> don't play it on YouTube. Yeah. So anyway, awesome. Well, anything else, guys? I think we just got our business to attend to, and then that's it. Yeah. Yep. All right, for those that are joining us new or maybe haven't heard us in a while or we did a banked episode last week, I think, so we didn't talk about it, but we do. Uh, we are we are compiling a Press B to Cancel Top 100 game list. I think we're going up to 2005. Anything before 2005, I think, is our... I think so, yeah. It's kind of our... So yeah, it's a, it's pre-2005. A retro, yeah. Um, and so each, each time that we have a live episode, the, um, the hosts nominate a game each, we're added to the list. Once we get to a hundred, we will order them. We will do, uh, some sort of, you know, uh, and, uh, ordering system, r- ranking, voting, whatever. And we will produce our top 100. You must play these or stop listening to the podcast all 100 of them yes <laughs> feelings will be hurt if you don't play all 100 of these before you die but we'll know yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're watching we're in your homes yeah uh, <laughs> we're not sorry youtube <laughs> um okay well hopefully uh, you're wolf, watching we, yeah <laughs> uh well wolf do you want to start us off Sure. I'm going to bring it back around to something I talked about earlier. Ultima Online. Uh, while not the first multiplayer, uh, not the first MMO, not even the first graphical MMO, but it's really what put MMOs mm-hmm. on the map in terms yeah. of a genre, right? It, you know, it, it had a broad release instead of just being limited to like AOL, like Neverwinter Nights was, things like that. So this game, like it was a well-known franchise. I believe it had eight entries before Ultima Online was released. And then, you know, Ultima Online had this huge following for years. I knew people who were so into it. It's it's probably the reason we wound up with stuff like EverQuest and Mm -hmm. World of Warcraft later, things like that. Like this Mm -hmm. is what made that happen. And, you know, it brought so many things to the franchise for the first time. It had the player housing. It had just so many elements. It had level caps and like stat caps and yep. Afting and Ultima stuff. Online was a really cool game. And so I think that deserves to be on the list. I Can I tell you a quick I story agree. about Ultima Online. So sure, go for it. When I yeah. when I got the when I got my PC, because I got mine late as well. And this is a game when this game came up, my friends how did me to buy this game so we could play Ultima Online and pay for the stupid monthly fee, which pissed me off at the time. But I really got into this game pretty deep with the crafting and stuff. But the there's player housing. But there's also player boats. And the one thing I'll always remember about this game is I was wandering around, came across a boat just on the river, and I'm like, oh, 
free boat, hopped on a boat. And I, I didn't have anything. I was a brand new character. I had nothing. So I, the idea that you could <laughs> even get a boat was amazing to me. So I'm on a boat and I'm, I'm piling it around in the, in the water. And all of a sudden on the boat spawns a naked man with a curly beard, like looking like fucking Zeus out of nowhere. And he just starts talking to me. And I realized quite pretty quickly it's a player. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I'm just chatting away with this guy naked on a boat, not realizing it. It was his boat. So he takes control of the boat and he's taking me out into the water. And eventually after a good five minutes of just chatting with the, with the shooting the shit with the guy, and I could tell I was probably annoying him with the, with some of the comments he was making. We pull up to a small little island in the middle of the water. And he's like, that's very nice. Get the fuck off my boat. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. He abandoned me on an island. And I realized pretty quickly as a, as a, a young character, I couldn't get off the island. I was stuck there. So that's that was my memory of Ultima Online. I think I ended up re-rolling on a Korean shard after that, just just because I got tired of the assholes on the English speaking servers. But, yeah, I loved Ultima Online. That you're right. That game is that game set the standard for a lot of MMOs for years. There's stuff that happens in MMOs today that I think draws a direct line back to Ultima Online for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, excellent, excellent uh, recommendation. So, all right um jake how about you i love this game and when we're talking about today's episode idea i'm like oh well this was on a pc this is on a retro computer back in the day and it's not it was only ever released on one system at one time and that is ninja golf and i like this game so much i'm gonna pull a video of it to show people because it's hard to explain why i love ninja golf you're taking ninjas and you're taking golf and you mash them together and you have Ninja Golf. And this is for the Atari 7800. It is one of the best, I would say, one of the top 70 games for the 7800. Of course, there were only 70 games for the Atari 2700. But anyway, <laughs> but it's like, I loved NES Golf. And like, Your that's shirts. that with ninjas. Well, yes. So as you're basically, you, you, you whack the ball as you engulf. And where it lands, you have to run to your ball. And if you need to run through a uh, a bunker, it's a desert scene and you're fighting enemies as you go. If it's water, as you do, the ninja goes underwater and is running along the bottom of the water, kicking sharks and beating other ninjas that are also under the water. They can breathe underwater. I don't don't know how it works. What is this madness? (laughs) You have to play Ninja Ninja Sharknado. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. And when you finally get to your ball... At the end of every hole, there's a dragon, and in Shinobi <laughs> minigame style, you're throwing ninja stars at the dragon. This game is crazy. It's wacky. It is weird. It's it's fun to play, and it's on one system and one system only, the Atari 700. This kind of fell back into my into my memory because of the Atari 50th collection last year, and this is on there. But like, I, I don't understand. Well, maybe I do, but I don't understand why they don't have a sequel or ports mm-hmm. of Ninja Golf. Why are there not more ninja sports games? Like, really? This there game is hilarious. Frogs. It's great. They're giant yeah. frogs. There's potions to heal yourself as you're running to your ball and kicking ass. Like, it's so good. Wow. There's a lot of enemies to it. Nine holes. I, I'm surprised nobody's tried to do a spiritual successor, a sequel, anything like this game. It is just such a weird, funny concept, and it's so good. I don't know. I That's love awesome. Ninja. That's my entry. Yeah, I, I think everybody needs to play this. Yeah, I need to play this. Oh, there's the dragon. Wow, that is a dragon. Yeah. Holy shit. Shooting cow. fireballs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, <laughs> this is funny because at the end of the Wikipedia entry, it says, see also Aqua Teen Hunger Force Zombie Ninja Pro Am. 
<laughs> Maybe influenced by Ninja Golf. I don't know. Maybe that's the legacy this Possibly, game gave. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, if it's similar enough that they're calling it out at the end of that, like that, that was a PS2 game. Aqua Teen Hunger Force would be the one <laughs> to pull from this imitate well, such a game. Yeah. It's weird because the 7800, I mean, after the 2600, Atari had it very rough. We all know the history. But the 7800 really tried to bring it back, but it tanked. But there, there are some fun games in that system. It's, is it as powerful as Nintendo? No. But there's still some great stuff there. It's it's a great system. I I actually want to get one, even with the Mister. I still want to get one because it is backwards compatible with the 2600 tapes. But uh, yeah, this game is hilarious. That's Trogdor. <laughs> He's burninating the golf side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wore my Origin shirt today. I should have worn my Trogdor shirt. <laughs> uh, awesome. That's that looks awesome. I'm I'm super yeah, interested. That to play looks this cool. One. I'm gonna have to give that yeah. a shot. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um my game, I have a feeling you all will know this. If you have played retro games, I have a feeling you're all gonna know this. Ported to basically everything. I don't know what it was originally released on. Um, but I played it on DOS. Um, but the game that I am naming today is Rampart. Oh, that was arcade. I love Rampart. Yeah. I do believe it was arcade first. It's a trackball game. It probably was. Uh, it was probably, I mean, I played it with, with, um, you know, either joystick or, or keyboard. Right. Um, but, um, okay. Well, if, for those, uh, that may be listening that aren't familiar with Rampart, um, imagine Tetris meets defending your castle. Yes. Yeah. So basically <laughs> there's, there's two phases. There's a phase where basically you're given pieces and it's very much like Tetris where it is random pieces and you have to essentially enclose the castle area. And if you don't, you, you lose that specific area. You start with like what three, I think in each, in each level. I think um, so. But if you don't get it enclosed and it's timed, it has a time limit. And oh boy, you feel rushed the whole time because you're getting straight lines and then you're getting T's and then you're getting, you know, zigzags and you're getting. And so once you close it in, you, if the time runs out or you get your castles closed in, you then start the next phase where basically ships come in with, with artillery and blow up your walls. And the goal is to try to survive as many levels as you can by rebuilding after they've blown up your walls. And it's, it's a simple concept, but Oh man, it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. So I, I um, had to look up. Yeah. It, it, it did debut as an arcade game and it did use trackballs, but it was, it was ported to a bunch of different consoles by different companies. Everybody from EA to Konami did a, a version as well. Like it's, it's wild how much it got around, but that game is fun for sure. Yeah. I felt like it, I was, I thought about it today and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't put that on the list, I'm going to feel like I've, uh, like when I think of it later, I'm going to be like, what the crap did I forget? <laughs> you know, so, because honestly, a, yeah. that's a game that I've lost so many hours to. And like, there was a point in time where I was exploring all the different ports to find what my favorite was. And I think ultimately I still settled on arcade with NES as a close second. 
Because like the Super Nintendo one was weird, the Master System one was weird. Like all the ports had weird things done to them, mm. and the NES one was the most like the arcade that they made, as far as okay. I'm concerned. So I'm maybe I didn't find all of them at the time. I don't know, but those are the ones that I remember playing and trying. But yeah, Rampart, I absolutely love this game. It's so much fun. Every like 10 years, I'd go back and I'd play, I'd crack out on it for a couple weeks and just play the mm-hmm. crap out of it. This is one that needs to be remade. Like, yes. release it again on Steam or something, guys. It's yeah, it's I kind agree. of like Tower Defense nowadays kind of can probably call its origin or its influence from Rampart for sure, I think. Yeah, so That's what bit. it reminds me of is Tower Defense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you took away like you know advancing troops and it was just say the ships with the you know the artillery, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Rampart, I felt like that one had to be on the list. So highly agree. Yeah, yeah, it's a good oh, one. Sad, I didn't think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, yes, <laughs> awesome. Okay, gentlemen. Well, I think this has been an episode. I'm pretty sure. I have some level of positivity on it being an episode. Um, (laughs) I appreciate your time. Um, Do you guys want to call out anything? I thought we were going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3. (sighs) Maybe maybe we'll do that next week. There's lots to talk about in Baldur's Gate 3. As it's another game this year that's going to suck up 100 hours of time I don't have. Um, We should talk about you guys have been streaming a little bit on the Press PE channel on YouTube. So that's good to point that out. What have you guys been playing? Wolf. Um, I'm sorry. Ask the question again. My brain. What have you been streaming on uh, on the Presby channel lately? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I streamed. Oh my goodness, what did? Oh, I streamed Halo Three ODST. Yeah, that's one I've been meaning to go back to for years. I wanted to stream it when I was streaming on Twitch and just never got around to it. And so I had no idea what I was going to play on Wednesday, and I was like, you know what? I want to play Halo 3 ODST because I haven't played this in a while. I had not touched the Master Chief Collection, even though I've had it for a while now. So that was the first thing I played on the Master Chief Collection. Um, still still holds up in my mind. Graphically, like the character models are a little wonky. Like the guy, Buck, is supposed mm-hmm. to look like Nathan Fillion, but he looks like Nathan Fillion made a putty. <laughs> <laughs> right he did the voices voices in that game or well, he's a character yeah like it's got I a was, bunch of voice yeah, actors yeah. it's got adam baldwin it's uh-huh. got alan tudyk so it's got like a, a mini yeah. firefly oh. reunion in it yeah interesting yeah. okay yeah when i and was then, listening because i was watching i was working while i was and i heard nathan fillion and i actually put into like chat i was like captain tight pants yep so, yeah yeah it's awesome. But I honestly just the the actors are one of the things that make me gravitate to this as well because you know usually Halo is Master Chief and Cortana and right. while they're great actors doing those roles that's largely the you know all there is whereas ODST is more uh more of like an anthology you experience multiple characters from your platoon and bring that story together to a conclusion at the end. So if you are not a fan of the Halo franchise for reasons of feeling overpowered with Master Chief, try ODST. It 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 grounds the franchise a bit. Nice. That's when I want to play myself because, like, you're right. Because I don't like the gameplay of the Master Chief. I find it a little bit too slow and and just too. Like ODST seems more my jam. There's because there's some of the some of the characters I think have more movement ability. They're faster. 
from what I recall. Um, it's been a while since I played it. It feels like a faster paced game. I wouldn't say it's faster paced, but each level is sort of designed around that character and then their personality sort of reflects through as you're playing. So like one of them is very sniper heavy. One of them is you're driving a tank around. I think one of them is just a lot of vehicle combat. One of them is literally just, you know, being stealthy and trying to work your way through the enemies. So they, they change it up with every stage. And then the main core element of the game is you're exploring after everything has gone down as the rookie of the team. So there's no voice actor, no name, nothing. It's just rookie. So that you're Mm. sort of like that character trying to figure out what the hell happened while you were unconscious for six hours and catch up with your platoon if you can. Nice. So it's, it's got a little bit of like mystery noir and then like just all these varied levels that are just so different from what you normally get from a Halo game. It's really cool the way they did it. Yeah, it definitely looked different from a Halo game. I mean, obviously the models, like the helmets and stuff, looked looked Halo-ish. But yeah, it, and of course the hunters and the and the the little dudes. I can't remember their names. Um, the grunts. Yeah, yeah the, the grunts, enemies yeah. are definitely scarier in this because oh, yeah. they're not as overpowered. You, you're right. still a little bit more overpowered than I remember, but you're you're a wimp compared to Master Chief. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, I uh, I was streaming uh, last Monday. I streamed some Baldur's Gate 3. Ha! We're talking about it anyway. Um, I'll just touch on it really quick um, because we're still getting our first impressions. But uh, being a D&D tabletop uh, player, I honestly feel like, and I played Baldur's Gate 1, 2, Icewind Dale, you know, all of those. And I'm not talking Dark Alliance alone. I'm talking the actual D&D style Um this feels like a very cool rendition of a tabletop RPG in a computer game form. So, yeah, and I'm awesome. really surprised how many people are playing it. Like, mm-hmm. it, there was, I think Steam said eight eight hundred thousand concurrent players, which yeah. is up there with Elden Ring. Elden Ring, I can see I the think- mass appeal. I did not expect the mass appeal of a D and D CRPG. Uh, I'm wait, all for it. Wait, I did wait. not expect it. Wait, horny druid sex. Come on. Not just a druid. Let's be real. Everybody in that game is freaking thirsty for something. Like it's we gotta talk about it in, in an episode. That game is great, yeah. but it's it's definitely it's up definitely out there. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's but Arabic playing. It's so good. I am gonna try to stream Mondays when I'm available. Um, you know, obviously life being what it is, but I am gonna try to stream Monday evenings uh here on the well, for those watching the uh the podcast on Presby. Um, those will not be making it into audio episodes because that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Um, I think we can button this up. Uh, if you're, yeah. uh, here and you're not a subscriber, we would appreciate a subscribe. Um, come to press to cancel.com. Uh, come to our discord, comment, like subscribe, you know, you know, the, the drill, tell your friends, um, we're trying to grow. I, I, I'm going to shill. I'm going to shill. We're trying to grow and we, uh, we would appreciate it if you, uh, if you helped us, if you helped us grow. Awesome. Thanks guys.
Post-Internet Show.